from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School Sirius XM Channel 132. Hey, I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. If it is Thursday, noon Eastern, we're here live. Taking your calls right now at 844-942-7866. Dream Team is in studio, and for the month of May, we have live shows every Thursday. And we'd love to hear from you with any and all job search questions that you have right here on Career Talk. So I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA for Executives Program in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And today we welcome back a very, very special guest, Dr. Ivan Meisner. He's been on the show before and he's the founder and chief visionary officer of BNI, which is Business Network International, the world's largest business networking organization. Founded in 1985, the organization now has over 8,500 chapters throughout the world. Called the father of modern networking by CNN and one of the top networking experts by Forbes, Dr. Meisner is a New York Times bestselling author who's written 22, yep, 22 books. The most recent is Who's in Your Room? The Secret to Creating Your Best Life. Welcome back to Career Talk, Ivan. How are you? Thank you so much, and it's it's a real pleasure to come back. I was born in Pennsylvania, so I always love being on the radio back in Pennsylvania. Well, we always love having you, and excited that you have a new book out, which I, I had the pleasure of reading. Um, what was the inspiration for this book, Ivan? Well, you know, I, I heard uh, one of my co-authors talk about this book, uh, about this concept, and I thought, oh my goodness, I, I wish I'd have had, I wish I'd have understood this when I was 17 years old. It would have, it would have changed. My life has been pretty good, but it would have changed things even for the better if I'd have understood the concept of who's in your room. So, and, and that was it. And I, I browbeat my, my co-author because he didn't plan on doing a book. I browbeat him until he said, okay, let's do a book. And here we are. So yeah, I'm thinking right now, Dion and Michelle are in my room which sets me up pretty well because they're awesome. But but yeah. I think the concept goes beyond the physical room. So tell us what you mean by this concept of who's in your room. Right. So it does go beyond the physical room. But let's, let's use it as a metaphor for a moment. Imagine you live your entire life in one room, and that one room has only one door. And that one door is an enter-only door. So that when people come into your life or into your room, they're there forever. You Ever. can never get them out. That's this sounds scary, like a, an it? episode of The Twilight Zone, so I like it. I like it. That's, I like where we're going right. here. <laughs> now, now, you know, luckily it's a metaphor, but I'm going to come back to that. Luckily it's a metaphor. But if, if it were true, Don, would you be more selective about the people that you've led into your life over the years? Yeah, I'm thinking it'd be mostly cats, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's funny. Uh, that's the first time I've heard that one. Uh, so, you know, everybody says, yeah, they'd be way more selective. So here's, here's our point is then why aren't we? Why aren't we more selective? Because I believe it's more than a metaphor. Here's why. Do you have somebody that was in your life, you've gotten them out of your life, but, wow, they were toxic, they were difficult, they were full of drama, they were just really uh, not somebody that you enjoyed being around. Do you have somebody like that? I'm not going to make you name it on air. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of my, my top five right now. So <laughs> <laughs> you got a few. So uh, I want the listeners to do the same. Think of somebody that you got out of your life, but they're still in your room. Here's why this is not a metaphor. Because if they're still in your head, they're still in your life. Because every decision you make for the rest of your life, you will think back. Any decision that is remotely related to this uh, or to that person or to an experience that you had with that person, you will think back to that and they will influence your future decisions based on the past experiences. We interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen, uh, who you might recognize from the PBS specials. 
Um, he's a neuroscientist and, and psychiatrist. And, um, and he said, look, you know, these relationships that you have with people, professional, personal, um, their fingerprints are all over your brain, and you can't just delete those memories as though they never happened. And so if we have to be more, if we should need to be more selective, and by the way, the room, the room is your head. It's your brain. It's your mind. And so uh, there are many people that you come into contact throughout your life. You've got to be more selective about who you let into your head. So, Ivan, is this is this kind of related to that saying that that you hear a lot, which is, you know, that you're you become most like the top five people you spend the most time with? Is this kind of along those lines? It, that's certainly related. Uh, you know, you, you become the, the, the top five or six people that you hang out the most with. We talk about in the book the importance of having mentors in your life. And and that certainly fits with this. I'll tell you what it's even closer to, though. And, and you, you, you'll probably chuckle because I think every person on the planet has had their mom say to them, I don't want you hanging out with that person. You know, that Johnny's <laughs> a bad influence. <laughs> don't hang out with him. Right? Mom, I know mom exactly who my mom is. <laughs> I got that exact person. His name was Chainsaw Bob. That's all I'm going to say about it. But <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, I could see why mom didn't want you to hang out with Chainsaw Bob. So... Um, I think it's more like that. It's, there are people that just are not good influences in our life, and we let them into our life without really thinking of the long-term repercussions and without having a plan as to who we should let in and how. And you've got to have that plan. So, and this is... this fits in with the broader topic of what we're talking about networking. I mean, I'm a firm believer, Ivan, that that it, it's not necessarily what you know, it's the people you know, and the connections you have and the relationships you build that lead to the success in your life. Because you can be the most talented person, but you need somebody to give you a shot, you need somebody to give you an introduction, you need somebody to open that door so that you can show that talent. And I, I think that's kind of what this concept goes back to is, you know, who's in your room? Who are you letting in your room and, and who do you need to get out of your room? Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. Michelle and Dion are here and we are live if it's Thursday noon Eastern, taking your calls all hour long at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So if you've got a question about networking or as you've been listening, you've been thinking about that toxic person in your room who you need to get out we want to help you with that, 844-942-7866. And we are here with Dr. Ivan Meisner, who's the founder of BNI, the world's largest business networking organization. And we're talking about his new book, Who's in Your Room? The Secret to Creating Your Best Life. So let's talk about... Let's talk about some of these toxic people who we have in our room, um, because I don't think we understand sometimes how much energy they take from us or the influence or impact they're having on some of our other actions or even some of our other relationships. So yeah, we don't. Um, and and there, there's a step or two, though, before you start talking about the toxic people in your life, and you've got to get there. But the step or two is you have to, you have to figure out what – what are the kinds of people you want in your room and don't want in your room? And that means you've got to get really good with your values. And, and when I start talking about personal values with people, it's like deer, deer in the headlights. They're like, uh, okay, uh, well, so, you know, tell me your top seven personal values. <laughs> like, uh, well, uh, you know, honesty. Okay, that's good. What are the other six? And they can't tell you. People don't know what their personal values are. Well, here's the deal. You don't know who to let in or not let in if you aren't good with your personal values. And so we have some, some exercises in the book to, to think about. And we say, look, behave yourself right now. Sit down and do these. <laughs> do your homework. Mm-hmm. You've got to do this because if you don't do this, the rest of it isn't going to fall into place. So you've got to get good with your values. And then here's the next thing before you start dealing with those toxic people. You need to hire a doorman. Now, you can call him a bouncer, you can call him a guard, you can call it a door person, whatever you want. We, we chose doorman uh, as our metaphorical, you don't have to actually go out and hire a guy, but uh, this metaphorical doorman, it is your conscious and subconscious mind. We all have conversations with ourselves, uh, you know, talking, thinking through things, thinking about people, thinking about situations. So what you need is to hire this metaphorical doorman that you get 
good with your values on, you train that doorman, your conscious and subconscious mind, you train that doorman to look for those values in other people because they're resonant with you, mm-hmm. not dissonant. Now, people always struggle with the values, so here's an easy technique to start the process. Begin with deal breakers, and you gave one of them toxic person. Mm. So what is that, though? Like, what is it? Because I think that's different for everybody. Somebody who's maybe toxic to me may be, you know, Michelle's best friend. I don't know. Probably not. (laughs) They can be. For me, uh, a toxic person is someone who's angry, uh, is always complaining, never a positive. They can they never look for solutions. They're always looking at problems uh, and they're, they're just complaining constantly and nobody's doing anything right except them. And they're just barely doing things right. So to me, that's a toxic person. Um, my guess is that's probably the same for a lot of people. But a lot of us overlook uh, behaviors in people uh, for whatever reason. We overlook them, and our argument is you, you really shouldn't overlook them. Here's here's a here's a deal breaker for me: uh, drama. Mm. When I started working on this book, I came to the realization that one of the things that I just hate being around is somebody who is dripping in drama. And we all have drama. I got a little drama. I think most people have a little drama. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that life is nothing but one series of dramatic events after another. Their entire life is full of drama. It's all they can talk about. And I just decided as I was working on this book that, that was, that's a deal breaker for me. I don't want that around me. Here's a deal breaker that my wife and I have together. We now as a result of, of working on this book, we now only go out with other couples who love and respect each other. Interesting. And we realized, oh my goodness, we actually have a few quote-unquote friends who don't treat each other lovingly or respectfully. And we've always been uncomfortable with that, but we need, to, we need our doorman to guard that door and say, no, we're, that's our relationship. We're not going to continue. They're in our head, but we're, their baggage has to stay outside. And so we now only go out with other couples. And it, again, you know, maybe I'm not always as loving as I could be, or she's not always, but generally we treat each other with love and respect. And that's what we want when we go out with other couples. And so that's what we look for. That's a deal breaker for us. Yeah, eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Hey, what's your deal breaker in a relationship? And I do think you're right, Ivan, because a lot of people don't stop to think about their values, and this is really important, not just to the connections we build in our life, but the type of organization we want to work in or the type of boss or team we want to work with. And it's it's this idea of self-reflection, which comes up a lot on, on Career Talk, and we just don't stop to do it. And I think one of the, the best pieces of advice, I think you cover this in your book as well, that I've heard around values, is take an inventory of what you do because where you make priorities, where you spend your time each day is what you value. So it's really easy to say, oh, I value health. But then right. you, you say, okay, I, I eat you know, donuts for dinner. I haven't worked out in six months and I, you know, I've never taken a vitamin in my life. And, and, you know, you maybe want to value health, but you don't, or it's really easy to say you value family, but you're never home for dinner or you're always traveling or you're, you're never making it to, to baseball games or making time for your significant other. So, so I think if, if you're out there and you're thinking about how do I know what would I truly value? Look at where you spend your time, how you prioritize what you say yes to, what you say no to, because I think that's a great place to start thinking about your values. And then think about where can I exercise these? Because when you exercise your values at work, in life, with the people you hang out with, you're infinitely happier and more satisfied. I mean, you can certainly, you know, if you, you have a rough couple of months at work, you can certainly skip the gym a few times and it's going to be okay. But you cannot sustain going against your values. You will burn out. You will be unhappy. You will be a hot mess. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-788. Six six, you're listening to Career Talk, and of course, if it's Thursday, we take your calls on any and all job search and career questions, and we would love to hear from you today. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We're here with Dr. Ivan Meisner, who is the author of twenty two books, networking expert, the father of networking, as called by CNN. We're talking all about one of my favorite topics, which is building relationships. So I do. There's something in your book. 
Ivan, that is such a struggle and I've been working on for a long time and I think a lot of people are and it kind of relates to values and and this doorman concept that you're talking about. But it's ways to say no. This is this is so important because you'll hear some of the most successful people who give advice say, you know, I, I learned to say no because there's only so many hours in the day. There's goals that I have and there's a lot of things that get pulled in my my, you know, pulls my attention away. But it's not in, so first off, you have to know your values and you have to know your goals. But but right. when you know that, what are some strategies you have out there for helping people to say no and not damage the relationship? Because I right. think that's the key piece that people worry about. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's a, a great question. We have a number of strategies. I'll share them with you. If I could just touch upon one thing that you just said, because you said you, 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 you got to live those values. And we couldn't agree more. Imagine somebody is walking around with a videotape all day long videotaping your behaviors. Those are your values. Those are your real values. The older I get, the less I believe in words and the more I believe in behaviors. And uh, you can have aspirational values, but you better start living those values. Yeah, and I think that's a really important point when people are going for a job. You know, if you're looking at a company and they say, here's our mission, here's our values, and, you know, it's integrity and all of these lovely words, but then you get in there and you start meeting the people in the interviews and, and, you know, nobody's talking to one another, they're not respecting one another. I mean, you have to watch the actions, not the words, because words are lovely. Words are lovely, but but when we, we know... Know that at the end of the day, it's the actions that are the truth. 844-942-7866. So totally agree. How do I say no without damaging the relationship, Ivan? So there are a lot of ways to say no. And uh, it, let's start with one of my favorites. Um, and and I, I don't like to burn bridges. Look, uh, you know, one of the answers to how do you say no is that no is a one word sentence. You can just say no. But I don't like burning bridges. I run the world's largest network. I like to maintain relationships uh, out there. And and so my favorite way of saying no, without sounding like a jerk or or worse, is is I say this. I say, you know, if I said yes to you, I'm afraid I'd let you down. And here's why. And then be honest with them. It's not, you know, I don't have enough bandwidth. I couldn't do what you want. I can't, I couldn't do it justice. I don't really understand this really well, or it's not something that I, I'm really knowledgeable in. And the last thing I want to do is let you down. And so let me, you know, uh, I, let me beg off on this one. I can't, I can't help you on that one and just be honest with them. Um, now, because I run a network, I use the second one very easily, which is refer them to someone more qualified. Yep. Uh, to me, that's just so easy. But you say, look, I, this isn't something that um, I, I have the time with and I don't know real well, but let me let me introduce you to somebody who this is exactly the kind of thing they love doing, and I think they could really be of help to you. And refer them to someone else. Not Don't refer them just to get rid, <laughs> just to get rid of them. Refer them to someone who you really truly think is qualified to assist them. Yeah. And Ivan, I'm going to go one step further on that. I find a lot of people who reach out for help reach out because you're the first person who comes to mind and, and, and you may not be the best person. Sure. It's flattering to think you are, but, but the fact is when you hear, and I always ask that when somebody's like, Hey, can I hop on a call with you? I'm like, tell me what you need because I may not be the best person and we could save ourselves 20 minutes if, if you just let me know. So I think, I think, I think it's not about passing somebody off because you don't want to do it. I think it's really about making sure that the, the person gets connected to somebody who can help them best. Right. And when you've done that, then you are a good networking partner. You've, you've respected their time. Uh, you've respected your time and your expertise. And you've put them in touch with somebody who you think might be a better fit for them. That's a, that's a win-win-win. Yeah, one of the ones I, I loved, the title totally caught my attention, is Don't Seinfeld It. I love <laughs> Seinfeld. So I was like, ooh, what does that mean? <laughs> Well, you know, one of the really funny things about the, the TV series Seinfeld was how the characters would just go off on some crazy, complicated subterfuge or ruse, and they'd end up getting in more trouble than if they'd just been candid to start with. Oh, you know, I, I, I'm really sorry that I missed it. I, I, you know, my cat needed a whiskerectomy, and on the way there, I, I, <laughs> my car got a flat tire, and then I was there, and then I got arrested by the, you know, and they come up with all this stuff, and it's like just... Just be honest with people. <laughs> Don't Seinfeld it. Yeah, well, that was, and that's nine years of the show right there. So they kind of had to do that. But yeah, so just 
Yeah, because once you do one lie, then you have to you have to keep lying. That's no good for anybody. Um, and then you, something else along the lines of of referring them, you talk about proposing something else, which which I like as an, an option too. It's a compromise, right? So, I think the example we use in the in the book is if if you run a, a catering company and someone says, "Hey, would you cater?" this uh, charity race that we've got, and maybe you can't afford to, to cater the charity race. Um, so instead, uh, you know, you say, look, I, I, can't, I can't cater the race, but I'd be happy to give a couple of uh, gift certificates for people, for the winners, or for, you know, however you want to use these gift, gift certificates. That's, that's not, it's a no, but not a full no. It's a yes, I can do it at a different level. Uh, but no, I can't. I can't donate the whole thing. It's a way of saying no without using those words and yet giving them something. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm an introvert, so and, and I'm very uncomfortable with that that initial no, and I need time to yeah. think about it. Um, and so for me, one of the things I say is, you know, tell me more, or you know, let me think about it because I need that space. And sometimes that space helps me to realize that actually this would be something that makes sense for me, or sometimes it makes me realize that actually this is something that I can hand off to someone more qualified. So if you need the space, don't feel obligated to give an answer right there. I'm going to add that into the book because it's good, good advice. Yeah, no, and I have to do that, Ivan, because I'm like, I can't think on the spot like that. Just not my nature. Um, so, so giving yourself that space. And then something else I like that you really uh, hone in on is be a broken record, because we know a lot of people don't take no for a first answer. And so if you train them that if they ask three times, you're going to say yes on the third time, then none of your strategies are going to work in the long term, because they know if they keep bugging you, <laughs> you're going to eventually say yes. Right. And I've talked to people and they say, well, you know what? Sometimes people don't take no for an answer and they keep coming and they keep coming. And it's like I tell them, don't worry about whether people will sometimes not take no for an answer. You could take it to the bank that, that they will do that. It's going to happen. And you just have to be a, a, a broken record. Don't be surprised if you have to repeat yourself. I, I mean, here's, a, here's one I use a lot and it actually applies to another one. I, I, I don't do that uh, is another way of saying no, I don't do that. And people will say to me, um, oh, here, you go. oh, you got you to try this brownie. This is amazing. It's chocolate, it's, it's fantastic. And I say, you know, I, I just, I don't eat processed sugar. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you, you, just one bite. It's like, no, no, I really don't eat processed sugar. Um, just one taste. And I'll say, okay, you have my taste. Let me know how it is. <laughs> and it's like, you just got to be a broken record and say no and stand firm, set boundaries and live up to them. They're your boundaries. It's your life. Yeah, 844-942-7866. How do you say no? Have you been in a situation where you've really wanted to say no and you've struggled with it? Do you have a good strategy to share with others on how you can say no and still preserve the relationship? We want to hear from you, 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 132. We have Dr. Ivan Meisner, who is the founder of BNI on the show all hour long. So if you'd like to ask him a question, give us a call, 844-942-7866. I also think the reason, Ivan, that people persist is because they, they have a problem and they want to solve it and they see you as a solution. So I think if you could just step back and say, you know, let, let's kind of address what's the challenge and let's brainstorm how we can solve this. People will inevitably work with you to come up with a different answer. So I do think it's a difficult thing when you're put on the spot, but there's a lot of great solutions in your book and that we've just talked about that can help that situation. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk, and I think it's time for our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? Yeah, so lately I've been very interested in geography. So this is a geography question. What unique geographic quality do Egypt, Turkey, Russia... And Kazakhstan have in common? What unique geographic quality do Egypt, Turkey, Russia, and Kazakhstan have in common? If you think you know, you can give us a call on Career Talk at 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand.
Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on SiriusXM channel 132. And if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, we're taking your calls all hour long. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And hey, if you haven't checked out a copy of my new book, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and Seize Success, you can find it on Amazon and other great booksellers. Today, we are here with Dr. Ivan Meisner, who's written 22 books. The latest is Who's in Your Room? And Ivan, how can people reach you after the show? Oh, they can, uh, if they're at all interested in BNI, BNI.com. And I have a blog, IvanMeisner.com. That's M-I-S-N-E-R. I've been posting two blogs a week uh, since 2007 uh, up on that blog. So there's just tons and tons of free content for people. Free content. We love that. We love that. And hey, if you missed the pre-break quiz, I am on a little bit of a geography kick. So it's a geography question. What unique geographic quality do Egypt, Turkey, Russia, and Kazakhstan have in common? If you think you know, give us a call at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, if you have any questions, you can also tweet us at Dr. Don Graham. But right now, we're going to go to the phones. We are going to go to Robin in New York. Welcome to Career Talk. Robin, what's on your mind today? Oh, hi. I was going to offer one of my strategies for saying no. Did oh, you ask, uh, fabulous. How you do that? Fabulous. Yeah. So what, one of the things I do is I don't actually say the word no. I just say yes and then offer exactly what I was going to offer had I said no, but, uh, because I find most people don't listen after they hear the word no, and they also don't even know what they're asking for, and they're just happy to have you say yes to something. Okay, so give us an example of this, Robin, because I thought you were going to say, I just say yes, and then, you know, I walk away. (laughs) That's that's, right. That's it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so for example, I, I do a lot of client work, um, and clients will make a request for some sort of deliverable product that's pretty much off the wall, that you know, there's no way that we as the, the team can deliver it to them. Um, and you never want to say no to a client. And even if you say no, but, they're still going to hear that word no. So when they make some deliverable request, um, I'll often say yes, and then I'll clarify exactly what I'll be delivering. Um, and then that often just leads to a, a reasonable discussion. Um, and it's much more positive than starting with the word no. Okay. Can I, can I say, I, I think that is a, that's a great uh, idea. It's, it's a variation on the propose something else. But rather than saying I can't do that, which is what I said, you say uh, you just go right into what you can do. Uh, I think that's especially when you're talking about customer service is a really good strategy. Yeah. So, exactly. so um, here's what I can do. I love that. I'm just curious, Robin, if you say yes, because I totally agree. Once you say no, they shut down. They start thinking how they can convince you. But does it does it work the opposite? Once you say yes, they shut down and just think they're going to get everything they want. How do you make sure that doesn't happen? Yeah, that would be my fear. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, basically, I use it as a launch to have a, a conversation. I mean, just as you don't want no to be a one a one word sentence answer. Um, I never use yes that way either. You know, I sort of use it as an engagement uh, to dialogue um, and to clarify. So it's sort of like you know yes, and let's clarify. You know what I, what I'll be doing for you because again, oftentimes I find when people make an ask, they they don't really know what they're asking for, uh, and they even they need clarification even if you are going to want to give them a hundred percent of what they're asking. It still needs to be some dialogue like. Very rarely do I feel like I can just say yes to an initial request and know exactly what that person wants and needs from me. So I always want to make sure the expectations are very clearly set, you know, in whatever the the relationship and the ask is going to be, either, you know, whether it's professional or personal. Can I try out the, the example that I used using your variation of it? Would it sound something like... Yes, I'd love. We're talking about the, uh, donating to the charity. Uh, yes, I'd love to donate. I can do it in this form. Would that be kind of what you had in mind? Exactly. Leading with the yes and, and you know clarifying what I'll do. So if they say, "Can you cater our rates?" Um, I would say, "Yeah, I can do some catering," and then just outline what the some catering means or whatever it is I'll be offering. Because again, the no just leads to such a shutdown when people hear that word. And yep. I want their ears to remain open. Yeah, and I think I think we can get away from both words actually because because you know the the some of the other phrases we've come up. Let's talk about this. 
Or, I mean, of course, you could say, yes, let's talk about this. But I think if you just dive into let's talk about this or, you know, here's what I can contribute or something like that, because it's kind of the same thing. But I always worry people shut down after that first word. When I'm in recruiting, we do that a lot. When, when And I always coach people, if somebody asks you about a skill that you don't have or something you didn't do, don't start with no, I haven't, because they'll write that down. And you're right, Robin, they will shut down after that. And it doesn't matter if you've done something similar. So we always coach people, start with what you have done. So what I have done or what I can do or related to that. And, you know, you certainly can say I haven't worked on that program specifically, but never as the first thing you say, because you're right. The human brain loves to take that first thing you say, categorize it. And everything after that gets funneled through what they think they hear. So very true. Great discussion. Robin, thank you so much for giving us a call on Career Talk. We loved hearing from you. And if you've got a question, you've got a way you say no, or you need help saying no to something, give us a call, 844-942-7866. We're here with Dr. Ivan Meisner, and we're talking all about networking. And um, Ivan, I know last time you were here, you mentioned something that that was very popular. So I want to talk about it again, because it's a very, very cool networking strategy that you call the 12 by 12 by 12 rule. Can you share what that is with the audience? Yeah, the the 12 by 12 by 12 rule is, uh, how do you come across 12 feet away? You know, how do you look? Are you dressed the part? Are you dressed professionally? If you're looking for a job, you know, don't show up at networking events in a t-shirt and jeans uh look the, the, the unless you're looking for a construction job you know you, you, you dress for the job that you're looking for uh how do you come across uh 12 inches away and i'm not talking about getting literally 12 inches but how do you come across up close um do you sound professional are you articulate in the in, in the area of expertise that you want to be talking about um how are you positive one of the things that we found in, in many surveys that I've done over the years, when we've asked what are the top characteristics of a great networker, is positive attitude always comes up like number two or three. It's always in the top three. People want to uh, network with people who are positive. Uh, and then the third thing is what are the, what are the first 12 words you say? So 12 feet, 12 inches, 12 words. What are the first 12 words you say? The first thing you should say is, you know, tell me about you. You good networker has two ears and one mouth, listens to uh, uh, listens twice as much as talks. It's almost like an interviewer. You're asking me questions. You're allowing me to expand. Um, but when you say what you do, you want to try to narrow it down into what's called a unique selling proposition that says, you know, who you are in as short a phrase as possible. One of my favorites, here's an example, is a company called Ascentive, A-S-E-N-T-I-V, and they say we help people work less, make more, and create referrals for life. And then look for the eyebrow test. This is Sam Horn. My friend Sam Horn calls this the eyebrow test. Do their eyebrows go up or do they scrunch down? If they scrunch down, you confuse them. If they go up, you got their attention. And now they're going to follow up with another question. That's the 12 by 12 by 12 rule. And that still works in the age of Botox. I love that. It does. No, I'm, I'm sure it does. Um, <laughs> so this is the thing. I think I think a lot of people go to networking events or who are, you know, in a, in a meeting or whatever. I think they they do the first two 12s. They definitely look at how they're dressed and, you know, the, the 12 inches. Did I brush my teeth? Did I comb my hair or whatever? Um, but it's those first 12 words that I think people struggle with so much. What am I going to say? What What if I don't have something interesting to say? How do I introduce myself without sounding robotic? So what advice do you have for, for people who are going to a networking event and are very nervous about that part of it? Well, first and foremost, uh, if you really want to be good at networking, be interested, not interesting. Really work mm-hmm. on being interested not just on being interesting. I like that because it takes the pressure off you. <laughs> it does. It does. And it allows you to really make connections with people. I, about uh, six months ago, I was at a, a, an event and I was seated across from a young woman who was like a freshman or a sophomore in college. And I, I had nothing in common with this person at all. And I started sitting there thinking, oh, great, you know, <laughs> what am I going to talk about with her? And then I was like, I mentally kind of slapped myself up the side of the head and said, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't what you teach. You've got to be interested. Find out about her. I had one of the most pleasant evenings that I had at that entire five-day event 
because I just talked to her. I just asked her questions and was genuinely interested in her responses. And um, that's the way you build a relationship mm-hmm. with people. And I, I feel like we have really a good relationship. I, I call her my uh, dinner buddy now. <laughs> you know, every time I see her, I say, hey, my dinner buddy, how are you? Yeah, I think, and I think that's just kind of how to build relationships. And we sort of forget that when we're in an interview or a networking situation. We just forget that, you know, it's just conversing with another human. And if you go and you say, I'm going to come out of this having learned something, anything, chances are that's all you need to do is put that mindset on. I'm going to learn something. And you're going to have an evening just like you described, Ivan. 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we are talking about networking today. And hey, if you haven't seen my TEDx talk on networking, you should check that out. Just Google TEDx talk and Don Graham and it will pop right up. We're here with Dr. Ivan Meisner, who's written 22 books, the newest of which is called Who's in Your Room? The Secret to Creating Your Best Life. And if it's Thursday noon Eastern, we're live all hour on Career Talk at 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Neil in Florida. Neil, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today. Thank you. I'm a professional dog trainer in a large retirement community called The Villages. And in The Villages, these grandparents were great. You know, they, had, they, they were parents with their children, and they would fork out any kind of money for their children's health, but now they're in the in the retirement, and I want to get their homes obedient with their dogs in the house, and I've got to figure out a way, how can I emotionally get the parents, the pet parents now that they're dog owners, to step up and, and, and pay for obedience training so that they have a safer home and a safer community, and, and I just thought, how do I get that emotional cord for, for pet parents yeah, in, this is this environment. This is right up Ivan's alley. It's about how do you Ivan, so how can he get people in this community to to um pay for his services to train dogs and, and yeah. what's an emotional what's an emotional tie in? Right. It's a great question. So here's the thing that you really wanna uh, do a deep dive on thinking about. What are and we're gonna do it a little bit here right now. We love what that. What are some of the afters that you want these people to experience by after i mean don't talk about the the, the, you know the the kinds of things you do what will happen after you do them how will their dogs behave how will the the owners uh, how will their life be better Uh, what are give me one or two afters that will make a big difference in their day-to-day life with their animals well well, first of all the Pet parents, if they alpha up, I do know that two things happen. One, they're now in control of the direction of their dog, and they're providing leadership that the dog really wants. But then the dog is better because now they um, know that there's a leader in their home, and so barking can just decrease. You know, things that the bad behaviors will decrease because of the parent, the, the human parent steps up. Okay, so that, particularly the last part of what you just said, those are the afters. Um, you know, do you know anyone that's got dogs that are barking constantly, that, uh, you know, they're not following instructions? These are the kinds of people that I can work with and I can help change um, their experience of life with these animals that they, they love, but they just don't know how to work with them. Start thinking about all of the afters that take place. Here's an example of an after, and every business has them. Here's one that I thought was so powerful. There's, I, I was doing some brainstorming with a, with a family law attorney and a, a group of people in a BNI chapter, and and this family law attorney says, "What in the world can I say about what you know how people feel after they come to me? I help them with divorces." One of the members said, "Jonathan, I, you know, everybody here knows I use Jonathan in my divorce. I." was able to sleep at night knowing that you were on the job. I knew you had my back, and I had weeks and weeks of sleepless nights. And as soon as you came on board, things changed for me. You changed my life because you represented me. And that was the after for her. That, you want that kind of emotional connection. People were almost crying when they heard her say that. You want that kind of emotional connection in your after. And, and you will get referrals, I promise. 
Yeah, and I think the good news is that people already are very emotionally attached to their pets. And I think, yeah. I think so there's a lot of things. You can certainly talk about the, the hard tactical things like your dogs will bark less, your neighbors will like you more, um, there'll be less messes. But, but here's the thing about dogs. Dogs like to know what's right and what's wrong. And I think pet owners will have a better relationship with their dog if they set that standard. And I think all pet owners want to, you know, want to have that. So I think there's so many things. We've just brainstormed a couple right here on air, Neil. So I think, I think, Ivan, you totally, totally hit the nail on the head with what's the outcome? What's the after? What will happen as a result of what you do? And I think when you start selling it that way, Neil, you're going to get so many people who are like, well, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. Let's let's where's my checkbook? Let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank Thank you so much. Yeah, Neil, thanks for calling. Thank you for tuning in to Career Talk and best of luck. We'd love to hear how things go with your business. 844-WHARTON, 844-942. 7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM. Hey, you've got a way to say no or you're looking for a way to say no? Kelly Hoey, one of our favorite guests, tweeted no is a complete sentence. Or you have a question about networking. We are here all hour long answering your questions with Dr. Ivan Meisner on Career Talk. But right now, let's answer our pre-break quiz. So, Dion, how are you with geography? (laughs) With geography? Um, I'm okay. I have to say, I'm very into geography now because I'm very excited. I just booked my trip to the seventh continent. I'm going to Antarctica, which is my last continent. Really? Yes. Huh. I'm super excited. Um, and so yeah, now, would you ever want to go to Antarctica? <laughs> Look, I get cold here. <laughs> so, no. Okay. But now I've been I've been looking at geography a lot. So this question came up. What unique geographic quality do Egypt, Turkey, Russia, and Kazakhstan have in common? Okay, I have an answer, but I, I've got a, a unrelated question first. Okay. Chainsaw Bob. <laughs> it, it, it stuck with me. <laughs> What's going on here? I don't know. You, you wouldn't have, like, he didn't look like a Chainsaw Bob. He looked like a fairly normal that, person. N- n- how does he get the name Chainsaw Bob? You know, we, we never really determined that. I thought it best not to ask. So, so, he, <laughs> so when he introduced himself, he, he's a uh, hi. I'm Chainsaw Bob. Yeah, everybody called him Chainsaw Bob. It just I, was his name. I agree with your mom. You you shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't hang out with him. Um, okay, <laughs> I'm going to say they all have a river that flows north because I know Egypt has. I, 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 I know the Nile River flows north. I think. I have so, no idea. <laughs> well, clearly, that's not the answer. <laughs> no, but I'm very, I'm very interested in what you're saying because this is new to me. So I, I know that, but um, that that's going to be my answer, and clearly, it's going to be wrong. <laughs> well, no, but but I like the way you're thinking, um, Michelle. Do you have an answer on on this geographic quality? Well, I was on the phone um, with a follow up from Neil, who's great, um, but I didn't hear Dion's answer, so I didn't get my extra. I'm sure you don't have the same answer. It doesn't have to do with a river. I mean, my extra tip. It doesn't oh. have to do with the waterway, no. I'm going to say um, the, this is a random guess, the majority of the land is uninhabitable. Ooh, that's a good guess. Thanks. That's not, not the answer. <laughs> I mean, that's actually a good guess, though. Both of them, I thought, were really good guess. Ivan, do you know? Are you, are you into geography? Oh, I'm... I even looked it up on a map on a brick. <laughs> nice. No, no. No, and by the way, I love the Chainsaw Bob question. That was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Dion's always looking out for me. It, it, I mean, it's stuck. Chainsaw Bob. I know. <laughs> you know, it just it didn't strike me at the time, but now when I say it. it, it what? <laughs> it, just, it seemed normal then. Okay. I'm from New Jersey. There's weird things I miss there, so... Jug handles. Yeah, jug handles. Yeah. All right. Um, I will tell you. I will tell you. They are contiguous transcontinental countries. I know that means nothing. So nothing. I'm going to tell you what that means. Meaning, meaning one land landmass, one landmass straddling two continents. Mm. So, and this doesn't include like France, U.S. or Spain, who have like like territories. This is like a literal landmass. That so, like for example, Egypt is in both Europe and Africa, and Russia is in both Europe and Asia. So Eurasia, 
Yes. I, I remember that from history class. Yeah. Doesn't like, Iceland do that? Class. You know, that's what I thought because I've been to Iceland and they do this whole little thing where like you you're stand- standing on the border of two tectonic plates. Yeah. Well, apparently that's a scam. For tourists. Um, Because the thing about Iceland is, I was reading about that because I thought Iceland was too, but it's governed as part of the the European government. But technically, because it's so close to Greenland, North America claims it. So I don't know. I got really confused because (laughs) I'm like, I was there. They told me this happened. But now I'm reading that it's not. I didn't know we had Greenland. So yeah, Greenland. Oh. So if anybody knows the answer to the mystery of Iceland, but here was the most interesting thing I found. <laughs> You're so excited right yeah, now. Yeah, no, this was this like blew my mind. Okay. So okay, Hawaii. What what is that? What continent? Oh, it's not on ours? I mean, it's closer geographically, to Geographically. Geographically. It's closer to uh not Asia, politically. Right? Geographically not politically. It's closer to Asia, right? Well, here's the thing that blew my mind. It is not part of any continent geographically. So they actually call it, and I've never heard this, the eighth continent. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Where are you getting these facts? You know, Google. (laughs) I was about to say, if if, if this was on Wikipedia, I'm not, I I don't know if I'm really buying this. Okay, well, I'm just putting out there (laughs) what what I'm reading. You know how I love people that call in and tell me. You know, actually, I disagree with that. So if you do, let me know. <laughs> but I feel like the need to bring up the topic is Hawaii. in? I mean, obviously, politically, it's right. in North America. But geographically, where it's located is not in a continent, which I don't know how that is. You know, I also grew up thinking there are four oceans. But now they technically say there's five. I also grew up thinking there are nine planets. But now there's oh, wait, eight. Wait, wait, wait. Things- what's, what's, what's the fifth ocean? <laughs> yeah, right? What are the four? What are the four you know? Pacific. Yeah. Antarctic. Arctic and Atlantic. And mm-hmm. Indian. No. Wait. I, no. I think I threw one in there. You did. Antarctic is not. Ocean. Oh, okay. Indian is. <laughs> so it's the Indian Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, Atlantic Ocean. And Arctic. And Arctic Ocean. Yeah. So now they have the Southern Ocean, which is technically around Antarctica because I'm learning this. I just add an ocean. I don't know. How do they just delete a planet? Touche. All right. Why and, do you drive on a parkway and park on a driveway? Yeah, These I mean, important questions. We we have to have a, a show on the mysteries of the world because we just have to ponder them. Somebody's got to be pondering them. <laughs> Why do tennis balls have fuzz? Yeah, I mean, you know. Anyway, yeah, career talk is not just about careers. We we always we have some full service. We here. are full service. Eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We have any geography buffs out there? We love to hear from you and. As always, we're taking all of your calls live if it's Thursday, noon Eastern. We're here with Dr. Ivan Meisner talking about my favorite topic, networking. And we're talking all about the ways you can become a better networker. So we talked about the 12 by 12 by 12, which I think is, and I love the eyebrow test. The eyebrow test is awesome. You talk about networking being a contact sport, Ivan. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, you've got to go out and connect with people. Uh, you can't uh, you can't just do it from your computer. I'm a believer in connecting with people via social media, but you actually have to meet people face to face and 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 talk to them and, and build a relationship with them. So when you go to networking events, here's another technique that you might find of value. Uh, I call it the 24/7/30 technique, and it's part of networking being a contact sport. 24/7/30. Within 24 hours after you meet somebody, reach out to them and thank them. Uh, drop them a note, an email, a handwritten note. Oh, my goodness, nobody does handwritten <laughs> notes anymore. Uh, send them a note and say, hey, it was really a pleasure meeting you at the event uh, this week. Uh, you know, I hope our paths cross again. Within uh, seven days, connect with them on social media and go where they are, not where you are. I learned that with my kids. If I wanted to talk to my kids, I had to, I had to go to whatever platform they were using <laughs> because if I tried to call them, heaven forbid, you know, a phone, you don't actually talk on it. You could text or whatever. But So I had to figure out where they were, go where they were. Same thing with business. You go where they are online, connect with them. And then within 30 days, oh, and within that seven, you connect with them on social media and you comment, you interact, you start to make a little bit of a connection. Within 30 days, you reach out to them and you say, uh, hey, it was really great meeting you a month ago. I'd love to get together in person, have a coffee, and just learn more about what you do. That's what I mean by a contact sport. You stay connected with people to build 
that relationship with them. Yeah, I love that 24-7-30 because it's a really simple model to follow and people need to recognize. I think this is the, the most common complaint or question I hear around networking, Ivan, is, you know, I, I meet all these people, but how do you stay in touch? How do you stay in touch with all of these people? My LinkedIn has grown to, to 2,000 people. How do I stay in touch? What advice do you have for them? Well, you know, if your network is a mile wide and an inch deep, it'll never be very powerful. You need a network that is both wide and deep. So you need to, uh, people that you really want to continue to build a relationship with, you need to stay connected with them. You need to comment uh, on what they're doing. They'll comment on what you're doing. I find that social media is a great way to stay connected with people in ways that by posting, not just, you know, a funny CAD video, which, by the way, for the record, I've never done, but not just, you know, funny stuff, but um, interesting things about my business, that that keeps people who are interested in what I do connected with me. And then if I comment on anything they post, that also keeps me connected. It's, a, it's you know, the 21st century form of, of conversation to some extent. It shouldn't replace face-to-face, but it adds to face-to-face. Yeah, and I think going into it knowing that the, I like the twenty four seven thirty, but knowing that the, 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 this is the first contact, there needs to be a second or a third, yeah. and it could be via social media. But you know, think about events where you're going to see a lot of people. Even if you just five minutes shake their hand, hey, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. I mean, that could go a really long way in just maintaining a relationship. Yeah, networking is more about farming than it is about hunting. You know, it's about cultivating relationships with the people that uh, that you meet, and and that means staying connected with them over time. And it is it is something that people just need to make a habit of, and you need to schedule it. You, Fifteen minutes on LinkedIn or whatever your social media of choices during Monday through Friday. I mean, 15 minutes and you can you can write someone a testimonial, you can like their work, you can comment on a post, you can retweet something that they've done. And those little things add up. People notice. People realize that you're out there and you're doing these things. Checking in when their birthday announcement comes up or their their work anniversary. I mean, social media media Ivan has made it pretty easy to to know about these things today. Yeah, I think uh, people often ask me, because I run the world's largest face-to-face network, is, you know, is social media going to overtake uh, networking? And to me, it's not either or, it's both and. Uh, that, uh, that, that you need that online connection. Gee, I wish I had it when I was in college. I could have I could have stayed connected. I went to school with some really amazing people, but you lost touch with them because there was no way of staying connected other than, you know, a phone call or sending them a letter back then. And so uh, social media allows you to stay connected in ways that, that we couldn't when, when I went to school. And so I'm a fan of social media and face-to-face. They work together perfectly. Mm-hmm. Well said, Ivan. Ivan, thank you so much for your time today on Career Talk. We've really enjoyed listening to your advice and definitely recommend your book, Who's in Your Room? The Secret to Creating Your Best Life. And one last time, Ivan, where can people reach you? Uh, they can go to IvanMeisner.com. I've got lots of free content up there. And uh, of course, uh, bni.com and uh, I'd love to love to have you come visit my uh, site and uh, you know leave a comment on one of my posts. So Don it's always a pleasure talking to you and happy to come back anytime. Thank you. Dr. Ivan Meiser, everyone, the the founding father of Modern Networking, is called by CNN, and my favorite topic. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. And, of course, Michelle and Dion, you always make this show so fun. And, of course, our callers and listeners, we are here live every Thursday each week for you. So if you've got a question, a topic, or something you want to hear on Career Talk, you can always tweet it at Dr. Don Graham, or you can give us a call here any Thursday at noon Eastern at 844 You've been listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132, and we will see you next time.